And, and Lambda is now gone. Is that so? Both both Lou and Angie and Bethan, you, you have you been made redundant? Was that was that what happened? Um. Well, we found out about our redundancy, or yes, uh, online. You know that, that we publicly found out it was on it was put on Lambda's website uh, that that was not included in the curriculum anymore, and then we found out it wasn't sent to us first. Hello, and welcome to the history of actor training in the British Drama School. This is the second part of a conversation with Alexander teachers and a voice teacher. Uh, I think this is a really important episode, uh, and I really hope you enjoy it. Thanks. Thanks, as always, for listening. It's on it each yeah, time. <laughs> exactly. So, Alex. I remember back in 1965. <laughs> yeah, add some details. <laughs> you need to add some details. We've gone for a Fortin brandy. When we were and there all... we were. It was snowing. snowing in Bloomsbury. We've just seen a very... I think we are at the Garrick. Yeah, exactly. Was it at the Garrick? Well, yeah, we were having lunch <laughs> in the IB there. and then... Exactly. Happy Adele, really. <laughs> If only. Um, yeah, no, it's okay. You know that drinking bar in the 70s? No, you weren't around. Well, well, I was around, but I was only, you know, six. Yeah, but you weren't drinking, maybe. No, no. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. I hope we don't lose. Anyway, we'll see. Sometimes things go wrong, don't they, technically? But hopefully we'll be okay. Well, actually, Alex, we didn't really speak to you about your relationship with the with the Alexander Technique. Maybe it's maybe it's time. Oh, sure. Could you tell us? So, Alex, you're a voice teacher. <laughs> um, tell us about, about how you discovered the, the technique or, or integrated it or, or mm. how you use it? Well, it's, it's, it's similar to Lou. Um, I had heard of it from a voice teacher. Um, I trained at Italia Conti back in 1995, graduated in 97. And there was a voice teacher there who was trained, uh, not trained, um, had had classes with Glyn McDonald. And so we used to lie down with our heads on the books and he used to sort of talk about the neck being free and thinking of the head traveling away and the back lengthening and widening. He was talking about it in a more sort of uh, 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 basic sort of visualized way. But um, I remember then with the first time he did that, me, I, I distinctly remember him saying it was, a, it, was a, it was a, it really was his own way of saying it. He said, you know, think of the head traveling away, think of the face going up to the ceiling, which, of course, I, d I don't know where he got that from. But I just remember just doing that imaginatively and going, oh, I can actually feel something happening here. And being really surprised that just by him getting us to think of doing something, that something I definitely felt something happening. And I remember then when he started talking about, you know, bit, dropping in bits of the Alexander technique, I only realized after the event we used to do things like be in, do exercises in monkey and and creeping and stuff like that. And it was only when I'd had Alexander classes that I realized that he was very influenced. Um, so I remember then just going, oh, there's really something in this. Um, so I was sort of sold already, and uh, but I had never had any classes. And I read um, Zen and the Art of Archery, and uh, I remember... Um, I remember, I remember um, an, an Alexander teacher sort of mentioning how this was it's philosophically was very similar to what Alexander was talking about or something. So I became very interested in the philosophy of it as an actor. And um, then, of course, I came to Central and I couldn't wait um, to sort of have, you know, a class with Glyn. And, and I remember then she 
you know, she, she did some hands-on with me and me just going, I remember saying to her, because we were talking about Richard Harris, you know, I've noticed a lot of Carrington teachers, they, 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 they will be talking to you and you're sort of talking and you're having this nice conversation about things and stuff is just happening. And, um, and we were talking about Richard Harris had just died and what a great actor he was. And she was just putting her hands on. And then I said, Oh my God, I'm, my diaphragm's moving. My ribs are moving. I, I haven't had to try and, and, uh, and thinking that this was extraordinary that, you know, I <laughs> felt like breaking down and weeping and spending sort of you know, hours and hours sort of stretching and <laughs> rolling down my spine and all of this stuff to get things moving. And here somebody had just um, seemingly just altered something with my head neck back relationship and it was all happening and my voice was very free. And um, so it started off my interest. And then, of course, we had Natasha. I mean, you remember this, uh, Rob. We had Natasha Rosario. And um, then after that, um, I went to work at Talia Conti. And, of course, you're all saying absolutely there were Alexander teachers in most of the schools. So even in Italia Conti, you had um, Kate Kelly Tangue, who was working there. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know Rob as well for doing some work at Lambda. And um, I remember that there were, I, I would look and see where there were little gaps and uh, where students hadn't booked. And I sort of slipped in and said, oh, hello, I'm, I'm a voice teacher. Would you, would you mind giving me a turn? And, uh, and she said, yes, of course. And, and so then, then from, from, I really started my proper classes. Mm. And it was really only about sort of, I mean, Lou and Angie are both saying about how this is a process, it's a technique, it takes time. I really appreciated it because the, the, after about 24 lessons, something like that, I just one day found myself sitting just absolutely, I was going up. I was just sitting on my sitting bench. I, I hadn't done anything. I was just suddenly there. And I just thought, oh, how did, how did that happen? I, I didn't have to try. And I suddenly thought, oh, I understand this now. This is about grooving new habits into the brain. And this, this takes time and it takes repetition and it takes thought and, it's a real craft. It's a real technique. And so Kate and I then started to talk a lot about voice work and how it connected. And I became very interested in how I, without my hands-on experience, could start to integrate these, these, these ideas and these thoughts. So it was really integrating the principles and the ideas of the Alexander Technique with what I was doing. And so, so that went on for a very long time and, uh, 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 has proved immensely beneficial. And, um, and it was from Kate that I then, um, knew about, um, Ron Murdoch and had classes with him. And, uh, so, so then that opened up new areas of how I was able to integrate the work with, with my voice work and, um, and it's just been invaluable, really. It, it, it's it's because, of course, again, my use affects the students' use. So, I mean, I remember Kate always talking about that. So, you know, if I'm putting my hands on somebody's ribs and I'm all mind wandering and tight, that's going to come through my hands. That's going to that's going to be come through my body in some way. So, I've got to make sure that I'm looking after myself. I'm, I'm giving myself a class, if you like, whilst I'm teaching, and that that then is transmitted to the students through my through my voice, through my manner, through the way I'm able to unpack things. If I'm putting hands on somebody's ribs to notice their breathing or their feet or their heel bones or whatever that might be, so and it's 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 a it's a, a lifelong thing. It's a lifelong journey. I'm still learning. I 
I became very interested in Alexander's books. I, I, I read quite extensively. But, um, but it's definitely a technique. I've, it's definitely something very pragmatic. It's, there's nothing oogly-boogly about it. There's nothing so absolutely, um, you know, do not under, well, I do understand, you know, when people get this idea that it's just about posture or that they're looking at the outward the outward. And I remember listening to an interview with a man called Chris Stevens, who who, who I'm, I'm sure you're both familiar with, who died in 2003, who was a biomechanic and also an Alexander teacher. He did a lot of research into the t- technique, sort of building on Barlow's uh, work and um, Frank Pierce Jones. And he said that what Walter did with them in the very first class on the very first day he did exactly the same class on the very last day. And he said it was then he realized, ah, this is inner work. That this, this superficially, if you looked at that class, it would be very much look exactly the same. But what was going on inside of you, psychophysically, mind, body, spirit, the whole thing was completely different. And he really realized then that yeah, this is this is not just body work. This is this is psychophysical, and so I totally agree with that. And that philosophy of it's about expanding the potential of the self of the individual. So it's 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 not it's not disempowering. It's not it's not saying. And 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 and, and both Angie and you have said this extremely eloquently. It, it, it's it's a it's it's not about judgment. It's it's about letting you expand and develop at your own rate actually when you're ready you're getting guidance but there's nobody saying you've got to be like this or you've got to stand like this or you've got to sound like this and so that philosophy has really sort of gone into gone into what i do um i suppose we're, we're uh, as we move towards not the end but the maybe the last sort of quarter of this of this conversation uh, p- part of the reason why we're having it only a part of the reason why we're having it is that um, it seems to me that, that potentially the, the the Alexander the time of the Alexander techniques um, sort of central importance in in the training of British actors, and I think it is not exclusively, but certainly um, particularly a, a part of the British drama school um, tradition, twentieth century, twenty first century tradition seems to be drawing to some kind of a, a close. I don't think Alexander technique is a part of the arts ed training anymore. I'm not sure about it's not. I'm not sure about Mountview or the Guildhall. Is it still part of the Guildhall training? Mountview, no, because wasn't that Duncan's domain, Lou? And yeah, but I think it's maybe on the musical theatre uh, part okay. of the training. I think it is there still in some capacity. Yeah, it's changed at Rada, but still is part of the Rada the Rada training. Um, disappeared from and and Lambda is now gone is that so both both lou and angie and bethan you have you been made redundant was that was that what happened um well we found out about our redundancy or yes uh, online you know that we publicly found out it was on it was put on lambda's website uh, that that was not included in the curriculum anymore and then we found out it wasn't sent to us first, so, but it was out there. So potential students, this was what was told to us, that potential students knew what was or wasn't on the new curriculum. 
So this was after the announcement had been made that essentially the entire staff were, were up for redundancy. That was the that was a sort of that was the process, wasn't it? That in fact the entire teaching staff. Yes, were, yes, that had been first. I and think. then yes, in the definitely. period of consultation, in the period of review, uh, the the curriculum was had been was explicitly referenced, and the Alexander Technique wasn't part of it. Is that is that correct? Yes, just that and combat. That and combat. Wow. So both you and the combat teachers discovered that in fact you you had been made or you were going to be made redundant even while that process was going on yes we well, i mean we didn't know about it i mean we knew there was a process going on but we didn't know that we were no. yes we found out via certain sources that it was online mm. yeah you know, i'm not in the habit of going online to look at lambda's website but there you go mm. so that was that then was that was there any consultation were there conversations about us not being on the time. Yeah, well, about no. the about the technique at Lambda. No. So that was that. That was that. I mean, I think there might have been there might have been conversations, but not with us. Right. So that was just the, not only you as teachers, but the actual teaching of the Alexander technique was just cut out of the Lambda curriculum with no conversation. No, you weren't able to make a defence or, or or articulate no. your no. No. Wow. Um, and how do you feel about... I suppose I suppose so many things have happened under the guise of COVID. I was going to mention. Mm. Y- yes. So do you... I mean, I, I think that Raja are um, still having the Alexander, aren't they? Because Bethan is teaching at Rada mm-hmm. and also, has done right from the beginning. And in fact, I think she said... Um, that one of the th- things that the students had really found useful was this ongoing Alexander one-to-one training, you know, and lessons through through their sort of study at home and being home or on their own and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, she's she's still there giving her year groups, you know, lessons. So, well, didn't she say something very interesting that the RADA timetable? had not had massive cuts. Obviously, the way in which they're taught is much, is blended, as is mo- most places, but the actual hours of each subject had not been cut, whereas they, and they also cut their student intake this year to, I think, almost half. So Lambda hasn't cut. In fact, I think it's exceeded what normally, the numbers that normally arrive on a, new academic year they have huge classes uh, and and i but their hours have been cut but the answer from peter was similar to the answers that we've all always had when we, we've been discussing discussing things that it was because of covid mm. this is peter halliday who's um a hol- holiday yeah. halliday what's peter's surname holiday. peter holiday who is what's his official role now sort of general manager um very senior Part of the senior management team. Sarah's right hand man. Yeah, Sarah Frank. So Sarah Frankham is the artistic director, yeah. principal. I think I'm not quite quite sure. Pri- direct- director of of Lambda. There's the senior figure, senior figure artistically, and Peter's sort of the senior administrative figure. And when you got your, because I obviously I I it's no particular interest, but I I resigned in a huff, so I never had any sort of process of leaving Lambda. I was just gone. Um, you all have. Are there? Are there nice? Are there cards and chocolates? Are there thanks for your service? Is there a gold watch? What's the 
What's the end like? Tell me the other side of the. You get a an email. An email, yeah. And what does the email say? Not very much. Well, nothing that we don't know. You don't know. So, and the Alex. So that's it. It's gone. So the Alexander technique has gone from Lambda. You've gone from Lambda as as teachers. You you found out by by looking on the website and seeing that the curriculum had changed. Um, what do you what what's gone missing? What, I mean, does it matter? Does, is it and why? I mean, do you know why? I mean, why something which has been such a part of the success of the drama school and so appreciated by so many students? I wanted to tell you a story. When I worked at Arts Ed, um, Penny used to film the students on the first day of their training and then film them at the end. And there was a day when they used to watch. And when I first heard about that, and often people would be very moved, pr- profoundly moved by that experience. And I sort of thought rather dimly, I think, in the first couple of years that it happened, that they were just moved by the fact that they looked different or or had lower shoulders or had slightly um, freer necks. But then I, I realized that it was it was something much more profound than that. And it was it was to do with possibility, I think, and the fact that they'd realized that they weren't what they what they thought they they were or they could be other things. There was something I, I can't even really quite put it into words, but there was something that, that I saw in their eyes that they'd understood through that um, exercise that was really important and actually was about being human. It was a very, it was a very beautiful thing. And so just to carve that out of a, of a, of a, of an entire thinking about training seems, seems kind of bizarre to me, at least without real conversation or real interrogation or real thoughts and the reasons for that, well, I, I just don't know. I mean, I, I know we've we've discussed that there was a, a phrase that was going around actually in various meetings about various parts of the training. And the phrase was that some of the training involved a kind of body shaming, which is a very particular um, idea. Uh, and I can see why on a very superficial level, you might think that the Alexander technique is about alignment or posture or something simplistic and inaccurate and then think that what's being demanded is a change to people's external shape i would imagine that you would you would dispute that would that be would that be a reasonable thing to presume yeah i think so i think going back to what we were discussing really the beginning was um that body shaming is very counter to the alexander work um you know and that when a student comes in or the the students come into the room we're often trying to get them away from thinking about their shoulders or their hips or their lower back. We're we're taking them away from thinking in parts and bits and judging and looking and, you know, in that way. So we're looking in a very different non-judgmental way. So, um, I mean, I'm sorry to hear that, actually, that um, the, the, the work has been misconstrued in that way. And actually, um, universally over the 23 years I've been there, I haven't, have never really heard that being talked about or mentioned or whatever. So it is, it's quite a shock. Um, when I first heard that, I actually thought it was just a rumor, you know, rumors always happen, but, um, it seems that with some definite feedback that actually that has been said, um, yeah, and, and generally, I say uniformly, though, there's been good good input from the students about the work. So uh, I'm I'm surprised, really. Yeah, I've never heard. Yes, I feel. No, I was just going to say, in 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 my years of teaching, I've never heard 
a bad word said about the Alexander Technique or Alexander mm-hmm. Technique teachers. Mm-hmm. I mean, n- mm-hmm. not once. Um, sometimes people have struggled with the, the difficulty of of working on themselves. I, I'm aware of a frustration mm-hmm. with people, mm-hmm. um, especially early on. But no, and certainly, certainly that that concept, n- n- mm-hmm. not not once. I mean, in fact. I was just going to say when I was talking earlier about my my um, introduction to the work because when I had sort of the physical problems from a dancer's point of view and and I went into my first lesson and I and I was told that you know my hips or my back it, you know it, it wasn't being judged and it, it was looking at the whole of me and it was such a relief that's what threw me into really wanting to train actually it was like I just breathed I thought my God this is such a relief you know and i i've sort of hoped that we've mirrored sort of that essence of the work that when students come in and often it happens they'll come in and they say i've got this terrible pain you know arm and we go it's fine we're not looking at your shoulders we're looking at the bigger picture it's absolutely you know and i and i i'm so i'm quite surprised really that it's been been sort of picked out or those bits of the work have been picked out because it doesn't really um, feel to me that that is the main essence of the work. No. Well, I suppose one might have an angle. It's a misunderstanding, I suppose, mm. of what the work's about is probably. I hope- also, just no, Luke, please. hearing Lou talk about it is part of the fact I felt really sad uh, when I heard that. Um, it had been sort of classified as body shaming. I mean, we don't even encourage people to look in the mirror. You know, that's that's a really important part. I mean, Mm. occasionally somebody will say, I feel so different. And when I looked at myself in the reflection of a window, I I couldn't believe it. My shoulders were just in a different place, you know, those sort of things. But we don't work with mirrors, Um, never encourage anybody to look in a mirror. Um, And also that comment comes from a place of not understanding that the work is actually psychophysical it's it's to do with the mind as well as the body so it has it, it's not body shaming it, it, it's it's a which is just a judgment of a shape I think that was what it feels like to me so um yes it's a sort of it's a it's real misrepresentation of what we teach um, in my view, and I still feel not just sad, I feel quite angry because I do know that it's out there. And I know that from the responses that I've had is that people don't quite understand where that comes from, um, ex you know, alumni. And so it's, I, I, and I think it's really sad that it isn't there, especially in, in a time like this when people need to, uh, not need to, would have the opportunity to to use the practice in their life to sort of inhibit and direct. I mean, it's challenging for the best of us living through this time of COVID and being, you know, in lockdown. So I know certainly it's something that I think about a lot, you know, and notice when I'm veering off and not. <laughs> so yeah, it's a great shame. I mean, certainly when I when I hear all of this and just building up from what Angie said, um, it saddens me that these things are being looked at quite obviously very superficially. So people are not really taking the time and the effort 
to really look into why these practices have been here for so long. You know, I would just be very curious when I was looking at things, whatever I might have heard or think about it, I would go, but why has it been here for so long? Well, you know, what? Let, let's have a look at that and really have a look deeply into that question. And, and, and as we've all been saying, there's much more to this than what you're seeing from the outside. So it just saddens me that it is just being, these decisions are being made seemingly on what people are just seeing from the outside and not taking the time to look at its depth, at its profundity. And taking that on board, looking at things from outside, it also fits into an agenda of, 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 and a way of thinking without knowing what they're judging. And that's sort of quite a painful thing to acknowledge because you just they don't have the whole picture. Mm. So that's a harsh judgment when you don't know what you're judging. Mm. Unless it's strategic. I mean, the, the, so we're dealing either with something which is a, well, either there's, there's, a, there's some accuracy to it. It's, it's a reasonable point of view. I think we'd all think that's completely not the case. Um, or it's a profound misunderstanding. Um, uh, based largely on ignorance, or maybe this is just my point of view, or the the sort of the thing that really chills me is that it's it's tactical to some degree, um, and it's about things that are that are complicated and are perhaps partly to do with budgets and partly to do with uh, different kinds of ideas or ideologies. Um, and that's okay. That's there you go. That's people do those kinds of things. But the the, the sort of the the cost both to the integrity of students training and then to the reputation both of people and also of um practices and and systems and schools um is really considerable so i I personally find that um completely completely unconscionable it's an act of um despicableness if that's the if that's the case but that's me Uh, you know and i i I have a terrible fear because i've been around these things a few times that's a part of, a part of it because it's easier to cut something if you define it in that way. Um, mm-hmm. So there you go. So so um, it, here we are. What do you think? So students moving into the 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 rest of the the drama school of the twenty twenty to to twenty fifty or whatever it is. Uh, if the Alexander technique um, is no longer a part of that that school. Um, what do students miss? What do they lose? What's what's going to be different about somebody graduating from Lambda in twenty twenty three compared to somebody graduating in uh, to, uh, graduating in twenty nineteen, for instance? I have no idea because I'm not there. No, no, no that's good. <laughs> and I wouldn't like to make a judgment on something that I'm not involved in or know anything about. No, okay. Well, then, what did can I, what what did what did students before before the technique became part of the training? Um, what did the students who 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 trained with it? What did they gain? Three words: a skill for life. A skill for life. Okay, that's four words, I think. But <laughs> no, it's good. <laughs> it's I never was any good at no, 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 me, no, me. It's a skill for life. Yeah. What do you think, Alex? Um, I can't remember how you for- formulated the question. Now, was it what what were students lose? Is well, that-, that was my original, and then um, Lou brilliantly refused to 
provide a handy soundbite there, which I <laughs> admire. But um, yeah, what do we? Well, maybe what, what do Definitely. we think they might lose? Well, I think certainly just noticing anywhere that I work that has the Alexander technique in it, um, have students who have an understanding about there being another way to do something other than trying to do it by effort and thought, that they that they are able to allow and let things happen um, and, and and trust things will happen, um, that it's not all about achieving and striving and it's all hard blood sweat and tears and and certainly i think you know there's a space for that but i find that if if a training has none no no way of facilitating that the students tend to be very very sort of like driven and have lots of energy but can end up being quite well endgainy quite sort of bound and maybe quite fixed in what they decide to do so there is a way and i've just got a put all my energy towards that way and no other way so it sort of cancels out choices and allowing things to happen and a space where things can happen so so that's what i just notice when there is an absence of of of, of alexander or 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 or, or, or anything that, that 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 is philosophically in line with that but so yeah and also it helps the voice i mean Voice teachers and Alexander teachers have worked so well together over the years. I mean, they the, the work connects up so well, and I can refer to um, the Alexander work. They've got a vocabulary um, which will serve what I then do with them on breathing or voice or, or, or whatever else. Um, so, so yeah, that's another thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Certainly, I could I could kind of bear witness to that too as a teacher going into schools where. The Alexander technique was prop was properly taught. You have a, a a very efficient route into working with people, even touching people. I remember when I first went to Rada, the first time I ever my my hands are not that sophisticated, I don't think. But I remember um, realizing that when I put my hands on a student at, at Rada, the the connection was immediately different, and that may also be to do with their sensibility or their their talent. I don't know, but it was really palpable that working in a room with those students was 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 just different and sort of easier more more efficient actually and that their ability to um to take and assimilate notes and to synthesize all kinds of things was in a different place um yeah so probably drawing towards a close is there anything you you any of you would like to um to add to our to our it's been a bit of a freewheeling conversation uh, certainly i know that with these I'll, I'll listen to it again and again and and find more and more inside it um anything it's like all those wonderful conversations we had on the sofa yeah yes yes yeah, it's yeah, really yeah, made yeah. me think of that too yeah. and i think <laughs> i miss this i want it back. <laughs> and i think yeah that was um something else around our teaching mm. and, um, Lambda being in our staff room, there was some kind of thought about that. But I, I, um, I think it was a very valuable time having us all in the same space at lunchtime to discuss and share our own process and where we're at with the different um, classes and groups and stuff. And 
support the, you know in a way support the the students or whatever they might need over our own coffee breaks you know um yeah that yeah perhaps a little bit invalidated but actually i think uh needs to be sort of <laughs> recognized really that um, i think a lot of teaching to quite important special time yeah i think a lot of mm-hmm. i think a lot of um certainly i i think talking about students in those spaces and and mm-hmm. always with compassion and and care um, was a big part of yeah it was a big part of the the teaching of the school wasn't it and a part that perhaps yeah. nobody really knew yeah. much about um even perhaps heads of department and so forth i'm not sure i don't know i guess they would have guessed but but uh yeah no we we we, we spoke a lot um yeah thanks Lou. i think that's that's great i, th- I think something that's um I think it's it, what it prevented us also from doing was becoming fixed, mm. you know, that we, we kept thinking, we kept alive. And that's the danger with any ideology that's imposed, that is unquestioned, and people are not allowed to think or have a voice or say, is that the organism ceases to grow and develop, doesn't it? And I think that's what prevents all of these places from becoming these fossilized dinosaurs, which might, people might think when they superficially look at a curriculum is that it is the staff and it is the, the the way that they are talking and keeping the work alive that is stopping it from becoming fossilized and i think this is something else that has been grossly underestimated mm-hmm. mm, brilliant yeah that's right isn't it because this idea of tradition and a few times alex you've mentioned the fact that the, the, the work has been taught at schools for a, for a long time and and there's a little part of my my instinct that realizes that will sound like a a conservative argument but it's it's so true that within these um disciplines and and ideas and traditions and names of things that we that we teach inside there's there's a constant process of um of friction actually with as as i think lou or angie said earlier the fact that the students change you know and we're connected to them in in the moment in the classroom and so that's it inevitably means that our work our work changes and and had changed so there was a thing in the um in the report on lambda's teaching which said that the teaching at lambda hadn't changed for 30 years or something it was just sort of a very blunt statement and i found that really kind of offensive because i was it, well firstly no one had asked me anything about my teaching um and i'd only been teaching for 20 years and my teaching had transformed completely at that time and partly because of conversations with with teachers of of all your calibers um yeah, so, yeah, I agree completely. And uh, Angie? What was the question? I was just wondering if we had any final thoughts, really, actually. Anything? Oh, I see. Um, <laughs> not sure there was a question. Absorbed listening. I was completely absorbed in what people were saying. <laughs> we're, glad we're, still in, we're glad we're still interested. In <laughs> always, always. What I meant it, it, that's exactly the 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 aliveness of 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 every aspect, sort of from being in the classroom with these ever changing people, um, going through all the you know because whatever the world's going through, then the youth is going through, and we're going through it and observing their thinking and yes, it was dynamic in terms of it, it didn't it didn't stagnate. It's the very opposite of what seems to have. Uh, been is currently thought, and I 
yeah, I mean, it's a, it's quite frustrating, actually, because you want to sort of say, but it's not like that. Mm-hmm. But obviously, you have to have receptive ears and, and, and an open mind to uh, know that actually nothing, everything changes all the time. And I suppose that's part of what the Alexander technique is also. That's that possibility of change. So it's actually vital to creative thinking is if you're held hostage by your um your thinking then nothing's going to expand anyway so the the alexander technique is that possibility of change but you have to be conscious to change you have to be conscious of what your habits are and none of that seems to be understood now but we're lucky that it was understood then even if it were that it wasn't the finer points but generally something that was the the vibe of the place Mm. and I'm very I'm glad that I was there then Mm. even if I'm not there now I think it would be a battle a battle to be there but that's yeah somebody else can take that on board (laughs) brilliant that was a brilliant um uh, concluding thought I think that was that was wonderful Angie thank you so much so um Alex Bingley and Angie Hertzberg and Lou Sorcell, thank you so much for um, for joining me this morning. It was lovely to see you all and to talk to you. It was. And, um, thank you. Well, thank you very thank much. You, Robert, thank you, for getting us all together. No, it's yeah. fantastic. A pleasure. Yeah. We, can, yeah. we can do it again. And when we listen to this and we review it, if there are things, uh, these sort of first series of podcasts, I mean, my plan is to do it for a year if I can not go mad and, and afford it. So I get it, that will produce about 50, at least 55 of them, I suppose, once a week. They're 55 weeks in the year. They go, I'm that stupid. 52. Anyway. <laughs> okay, we're getting it's a mystery. Yeah, no, one, no one knows. Um, whatever. So uh, I think having sort of sketched out the, 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 the landscape, we'll be able to go deeper at certain points. So, so we can we can talk mm. more and, and, you know, we should definitely get together and have that ha- wake, shouldn't we? 